Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Good Thursday, everybody. Welcome into the porch. It is of all quest baseball podcast. I am Eric Kane and uh, really happy to have you guys along for the ride. VFL, former Tennessee slugging first baseman Luke Lipsius. He'll join the show here in just about 10 minutes or so. But first, you got me. We're going to talk a little Tennessee baseball from opening week. We're going to preview the first home series at Lindsay Nelson Stadium with Albany coming into town. All that and more coming up here on today's porch as we are officially five games in to the 2024 Tennessee baseball season. I want to give a thanks, uh, quick thanks and a quick shout out to our friends over at Spivey King and Spivey LLP for being a part of the po- the porch once again. They they uh, contacted me last year and said, hey, love the porch, love Tennessee baseball, love VolQuest, we want to be a part of it. I had a great partnership last year and extending that over to the 24 season as well. Uh, you got a problem, let them find a solution for you. It's TN Trial Lawyers where they specialize in criminal defense, family law, and personal injury. If you got a problem, again, let them find a solution for you, TN Trial Lawyers. You can give them a call today for a free consultation. That's 423-245-4185. Or you can always go visit them online. Check out their work at Spivey King and Spivey LLP.com. Big thanks to my friends. Matthew A. Spivey, J. Matt King, and Richard A. Spivey at Spivey King and Spivey LLP. All right, so Tennessee opening week, five games, four and one record. Uh, talked a little bit about it on the VolQuest podcast on Tuesday morning with Brent Hubbs. Wrote about it in the 3-2-1, and of course, I've got my four takes after each and every game, how it happened, and and some notes on the board throughout uh, opening week. But, you know, overall, pretty solid opening week. Um this team is far from a finished product, and and we didn't think that it was going to be anywhere close to a finished product week one. No team is. Um, there's still some questions that won't even be answered this weekend. Um, who's going to start Sunday's game? We'll talk about that here in a moment. Um, you know who's who's best fit where in the lineup. You saw Tony Vitello kind of experiment a little bit with the order of the lineup. Blake Burke hitting second, Dylan Dryling hitting second, dropping back to seventh. Hunter Ensley leading off and hitting ninth in the midweek. Um, Christian Moore leading off on on a Wednesday midweek game. Um, this is the time to do it. This is the time to do it to try to figure out who fits where best in the lineup. And and one of the biggest questions I had throughout opening weekend was Blake Burke hitting second for games one and two. And I believe he hit second in the Tuesday midweek game against UNC Asheville. And, and I'm not a huge fan of that. I asked Luke about it here in a moment, and you'll hear him in his explanation, but I think he brings up a really good point about if you're hitting second in this lineup, you're protected uh, because you got some combination of Christian Moore, most likely, or or Billy Amick, Cannon Peebles, Kavaris Tears hitting behind you. So if you're hitting second, if you're an opposing pitcher, you're like, all right, I got to get this guy out. I got to pitch to this guy. And maybe that's why you hit second a little bit. And so if you look at it from that perspective, it kind of makes sense. But I think Tennessee's best lineup order right now would be with Blake Burke coming uh, towards the bottom, maybe sixth or seventh. 
And if you get Blake Burke to swing in the bat the way he's capable of, and, and he's had a couple of moments, had a couple of doubles already this season, has Blake Burke, you know, doubles into the corner, then you're going to be an even deeper lineup. So um, quickly, I'll start with on Friday and and, and kind of what Tennessee did. I thought the AJ show was incredible. I talked to AJ Causey. Um, over the weekend, if you haven't checked out that um, that that video that I did with AJ Cause, it's really good. He he has been um, in all my years interviewing players, football, baseball, whatever sport it is. He he was one of the best ones in my opinion, and uh, he was down to earth. He was appreciative. Um, he he was open. Talked to me about how he came to throw throw from the side, which I thought was a really interesting story. If you haven't seen that video interview I did with AJ Cause, go check it out over VolQuest.com. But um, I thought the AJ show was really good. Will it look exactly like that every single week? I don't know. I mean, we'll see. But, you know, they had been throwing Russell and Causey together because it's such a unique look. You know, 97, 98 over the top with spin. And then, you know, from the side, it sinks. Uh, you know, going from Russell to Causey. And so I think it's uh, really, really interesting. But I thought that was a really, really good performance. Um, AJ Russell, man, four innings and a third, 10 strikeouts. AJ Causey, four and two thirds seven strikeouts. I mean, it was, it was a really, really good game. Billy Amick came through, had a home run that game. Tennessee won six to two over number 21, Texas tech. Um, despite leaving some men on base, uh, sun or uh, we'll go the win. Yeah. We'll go Sunday Baylor. You know, I thought Nate Snead was really good out of the pen. And though that was his Tennessee debut, that's the best he's looked in a Tennessee uniform dating back to fall spring workouts, you know, winter, all that type of stuff. He, he had gotten roughed up a little bit, not every time, but he had gotten his fair share of, getting hit around a little bit and I, I had worries that he was even going to make it out of the third inning when he walked three and, and you know gave up a run or whatever and um you know, gave up a hit and all that but he did he bounced back with a one two three fourth inning went five innings strong and looked really sharp had more walks than strikeouts but again he did walk three batters in that third inning but Nate Snead I thought looked really good and and again he's a hard-throwing right-hander out of the bullpen capable of stretching things out. He he might get the start on Sunday, and we'll talk about that here in a moment, but I thought he looked good. I like what I saw from Aaron Combs. I think he just ran out of gas. I like what I saw from the two freshmen. Schaefer got hit around a little bit um, there in that 10th inning against Oklahoma, but I thought Schaefer pitched really well on Tuesday. thought Matthew Dallas pitched really well on Wednesday, and you know Matthew Dallas only threw 47 pitches on Wednesday, so I think he could also be in line to maybe start that Sunday game. We'll see. You know, against Oklahoma, Tennessee left, you know, 10 men on base. Uh, point, you know, fact of the matter is you can't leave men on base. And I broke down the numbers specifically over in my baseball 3-2-1, and I'll, I'll pull them up here just so I can rehash these. from Over the weekend, opening weekend, you know, you don't want to make a habit out of this. Baseball is never perfect. It's a it's a game of failure. You're going to leave men on base. It is what it is. But over that three-game series at the uh, Shriners Children's Classic, uh, Tennessee hit 192 when you had uh, when you had runners on base. 11 hits and 57 attempts. With runners in scoring position, Tennessee hit 172, going 5 of 29 at the plate. And when the bases were loaded over that weekend, Tennessee went 0 for 3 at the plate one time with no outs and the other two times with one out. And again, that's just not a winning formula. You don't want to make a habit out of that. And I don't think Tennessee will, but um, that was one of the glaring takeaways from a negative perspective that I had from uh, from opening weekend. But again, I thought defense was incredible. I wrote about it in the 3-2-1, that Oklahoma loss. My Hunter Inslee made a couple of nice catches on the run. Um, 
you know, Dylan Drallen made a diving catch. Blake Burke had two outs at the plate with some good tags from Charlie Taylor and Cal Stark. Uh, he had a triple play. He had Billy Amick and Christian Moore flashing the leather from the left side of the infield. I thought the defense, you know, through opening weekend was something that was really positive. And I've been talking Blake Burke up about how he's an improved defensive player after four games. And the first batter of Wednesday's ETSU midweek game, he has an error. Um, but nonetheless, I still think that he's been, you know, really, really improved. Um, my questions heading into this weekend, and then again, we've, we've rehashed, I've wrote about it, we've talked about it, about these games already that's been played. My question uh, heading into this weekend is, you know, what's that order going to look like? And I would expect, you know, a couple of guys to continue to, you know, mix in and out of the lineup. I think Dean Curley, I wrote about it on Wednesday night. Christian Moore at second and Dean Curley at short. I mean, why on earth would you not run with that right now? I understand it's one game, and I even said it's important not to overreact here. And I was talking to myself about Dean Curley, but you know, what a debut. Um, why not run with that on Friday, on Saturday, and on Sunday? See what it looks like. Dean Curley, he looks like a big league middle middle infielder. I mean, he, he's big. He's got the stature. Tony Vitello said that he is very mature, not just mentally, but physically for a true freshman. And you can see that if you stand next to him. I mean, he looks like a like a big leaguer. Um, and I mean, certainly he's got a long way to go and everything. It was just one game, but he had a triple. He had a three-run home run. He made some nice plays in the field. And he very well could have been Tennessee's opening day shortstop, if not for a hamstring injury that kind of slowed him down. So if I was making that lineup card, I know it was Christian Moore at short, and he did fine. Christian Moore did fine at shortstop um, over opening weekend. He had an error on on Tuesday's game, but that's going to happen. I thought he was fine, and he proved that he can play it. But, man, right now I'd run with Dean Curley at short, and I'd run with Christian Moore at second base uh, because that looked really, really good, at least for Dean Curley um, on, on Wednesday's midweek. So I'm intrigued to see what that looks like. I'm intrigued to see the batting order, kind of who does what, where. Um, one thing from opening week that I didn't like – Cal Stark's going to get a start at catcher at least once a weekend. At least that's kind of the plan. Last weekend, he caught Drew Beam, which made a whole lot of sense. By the way, Cal Stark played a heck of a ball game behind the plate. Threw out a pair of runners. Looked really, really good. But if Cal Starks is going to get you one start behind the plate, which means he's going to get about four at-bats uh, on the weekend, then why on earth was he not starting one of those midweek games? Chuck Taylor started one game. Cannon Peoples started the other game on those two midweek games. Cal Stark should be playing in the midweek. If he's going to get you, if he's going to earn a start every weekend, at least that's the plan, he needs to be getting at bats in the midweek. And so I thought that was a, a missed opportunity this week, especially with two midweek games. So we'll see kind of what that looks like. Um, Kavaris Tears is off to a good start of the season. Had a, had a rough start on Friday. Um, hitless, an opening day, hitless. Um, struck out a couple of times, but did get on base, score two runs. So he found a way to impact the game when, even though he wasn't, um, you know, hitting the ball well, had a, had a nice three run home run. I believe it was three run home run against Baylor on Sunday, had a home run against UNC Asheville that tied the ball game on, on Tuesday. Um, so far five games, he started four games in right field and, um, he's been at the bottom of the order. He's been at the cleanup spot. <laughs> he's been a little bit everything, but, uh, Kavaris Tears looks like he's ready to roll. And I think that's a good sign. Um, I think this weekend we'll see Kirby Cannell pitch. Um, he'd been slowed down a little bit with an oblique coming back from uh, Christmas break. And um, he, he made the trip last weekend. He's been with the team and everything. He's a team leader. Um, but I do think that you'll see him pitch probably Sunday. I think the target is for this weekend for him to come back and make his appearance. And, and so we'll see if he does that on Sunday. 
And, you know, what's his role going to be? In 2022, he pitched, I think, you know, 40 innings or so. And then you saw those innings get cut drastically, you know, last year whenever he just came on to pitch an inning or he came on to pitch in a batter, you know, a batter or whatever. Um, I'm intrigued to see what that looks like. And then the third starter, of course, you know, Tony Vitello confirmed that it'll be A.J. Russell on Friday, Drew Beam on Saturday. Um, I don't think at this time, and for right, wrong, indifferent, you can you can decide. I don't think at this time that Xander Seacrest is going to get a start on Sunday. Um, I've said this many, many times. Root for Xander. Like Xander a lot. What a teammate. Um, you know, he's a guy you want in your foxhole. He did not look great in that Sunday start against Baylor. It was also his very first start ever on the weekend for Tennessee. If he was good enough to start the season off on Sunday, then why on earth is he not good enough to get a run here against Albany? Um, I, I don't I don't quite understand that. I feel like he's earned that too. However, I stand by this. I don't think he's the long-term solution as your third starter. So if that's my thought process, and if that's Tony Vitello and Frank Anderson's thought process, then it would make sense to go ahead and start exploring other options because, again, it is just Albany this weekend. You can get away with experimenting, and I think that's what Tennessee's going to do. Um, conversations throughout the week. At the time of this recording, I'll be honest with you, I don't know who's going to start on Sunday. You know, heading into opening weekend, Tony Vitello said, you know, gave us the, that Russell would start on Friday, that Beam would start on Saturday. He wouldn't give us who would start on Sunday, but sources told me that it was going to be Xander Seacrest. Um, I don't have anybody giving me any definites right now. And I think it really might be a, a play by ear type situation, just like what Tony said in post game Wednesday night. The way Tennessee's pitchers pitched in the midweek, by the way, nobody's really talking about it, but I know it was a run rule. You know, seventh in, seven inning win, sixteen to nothing. But Tennessee shut out and allowed only one hit, one hit, and that was in the sixth inning to ETSU the other night. Uh, that you know nobody's talking about that, but I thought that was a, a really, really you know nice accomplishment. But because of the way Tennessee pitched these two midweeks, it's gonna allow these guys to go in fresh uh, to the weekend. So potentially, if you don't see Nate Sneed pitch on Friday or Saturday, then I think he would be a very very good option to start Sunday. Um, I've been told earlier in the week that Nate Sneed, you know, might get a run on Sunday and he might be that starter. I still like him out of the bullpen. Um, I think the long-term solution is one of these freshmen, Derek Schaefer, Matthew Dallas. Right now, I would probably lean towards Matthew Dallas to mean the long-term solution is that third starter. And having said that, Matthew Dallas and Schaefer both look good. Um, in their midweek start, Schaefer gave up a run in the first inning, but you know he he responded and did a really really good job the rest of the way. You know Matthew Dallas allowed a leadoff man aboard because of an error at first base, then retired seven straight, had a two out walk, surrendered in the third inning, and then stranded that base run to get out of the inning. He only threw forty seven pitches, and I understand he's continuing to stretch out and everything because he was late to the party and throwing. But I was told on on Wednesday afternoon that you know because he only threw forty seven pitches potentially. Matthew Dallas might be an option to go ahead and start Sunday as well. Start Wednesday and start Sunday. And again, if that's the case, he would pitch two or three innings and, and get out of there. But, you know, that you treat it like a bullpen game. It wouldn't be a horrible idea just to start him. So I think the long-term solution is a freshman. I think that's probably Matthew Dallas right now, um, if not Derek Schaefer. And, um, you know, potentially we see Matthew Dallas start that, that game three or Nate Snead or... You know, we'll see what it is. I've not been told one way or the other. I've told Nate Sneed 
And then I told I've been told Matthew Dallas as well. So I think we'll see exactly kind of how the bullpen shakes out over the weekend. Either way, it is. I mean, guys, Albany's bad. I mean, it is. I mean, I'm I'm you know trying to put lipstick on a pig here. I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. I understand. You don't need to go in there if you're a player with this mindset. But quickly, look at Albany, man. The Great Danes of the American East Conference. John Mueller, 25th head coach, 25th uh, season as head coach. They were preseason pick last in the conference. That's a seven-team conference, seven-team conference. So they were picked seventh in the conference preseason poll. They finished last year with a 9-34-1 and and record. 9-34-1. and They were 3-21 and in conference play. And, and they lost a lot of offensive production. Um, you've got a senior infielder, Will Brader, I believe is his name. Binder, excuse me, Will Binder. Um, he, he's the best hitter in the lineup, really the only proven hitter in the lineup. Led the team with 54 hits last year, 300 average, five home runs, 26 RBI, and 29 runs scored. He was a second-team all-conference player. He's really the only proven hitter in the order. You got some freshmen and some transfers that were out of the mix, but it's him and, and really nobody else. You look at the starting rotation, and boy, or the pitching staff overall, they were horrendous in 2023. Uh, one of the worst in the country, 835 ERA, 2.04 whip. That was 11th worst in the country in both both categories. Um, they allowed 13.2 hits per nine innings. That was 11th worst in the nation. They also scored the 11th fewest runs in the nation last year offensively, and their three best offensive players have all left the program from last year. Hello, transfer portal, right? So... Who are you going to get at the time of this recording? I, I don't know who Albany is going to throw Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, but it's a whole lot of junk, and I'll tell you why. Uh, you got a senior, a lefty, uh, Craig Scherner. Can't read my own writing. Excuse me, Scherer, I believe. Um, he's the southpaw. He could start Friday, probably likely to start Friday, if I'm being honest right now. He was uh, second in the conference last year, allowing 53 hits. He had 33 strikeouts. That was 11th. Or he had 53 strikeouts. That was 11th in the conference. Eight starts, 11 appearances last year, 44 innings and two-thirds. He struck out a lot, but he also walked a lot, this being um, you know, Craig Scher. He, uh, the southpaw here, 10.7 strikeouts per nine innings, 9.9 walks per nine innings as well. So what he did really well, he also kind of you know, nulled it because he walked so many as well. Um, if it's not the Southpaw getting the start, you know, Matt Mariano, I believe, a right-hander could get the start. He was a 2-2 two and two record last year, a 6.75 ERA. He was a part of the American East all-rookie team last year. So that's got to look out for. Kyle Locklear has also got to look out for. A right-handed pitcher has over 100 career innings pitched, but this will be his third stop. He was at Clarksville, Clarkson University and um, Walker and Mary um, before or Williams and Mary before Dalton Bunner as well right-handed pitcher six and five he's six foot five 245 he was a promising freshman last year but he had an 0 and 7 record a 916 ERA but he did get some starts a season ago so um, we will We'll see kind of what the pitching looks like against Tennessee. I've been told that this could be very much like the Iona series a couple years ago. I hope not, but at least thank God for a run roll because those games are brutal to sit there and watch all weekend long. Uh, but I would expect a ton of guys to get in, get some work, empty the bench, very much like that uh, ETSU midweek game. 
and uh, we'll kind of see where we are Monday morning. So expecting a lot of Tennessee runs, expecting some good Tennessee performances on the mound. I'm not excited to kind of see what this looks like, but overall, pretty solid opening week for Tennessee and uh, looking forward to see what they do against the Great Danes of Albany starting Friday at 4.30 Eastern Time. Hey, we got Luke Lipsius uh, coming up here in just a moment as we continue on with the porch. But first, I want to give a shout-out to my friends over at Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Three partners, Matthew A. Spivey, J. Matt King, Richard A. Spivey. Hey, you got a problem? Well, let them find a solution for you. T and Trial Lawyers, they specialize in criminal defense, family law, and personal injury, examples of which could be DUI, homicide assault, uh, personal injuries such as car wrecks, accidents, and others. They got 80 years of combined experience. Bobby King and Bobby LLP provides representation throughout the state and federal courts of Northeast Tennessee. The firm has a vast amount of trial experience. This practice has been in place for 43 years with this partnership forming in 2012, also having partners who are energized for today's modern and legal demands. They practice primarily in Northeast Tennessee, the Tri-Cities of Sullivan County, as well as Hawkins County, Washington County, and surrounding areas. The firm has been uh, awarded multiple multiple times with attorneys who are rated by super lawyers in Mid-South with real trial experience. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, need a divorce, help with custody of your children, or been accused of a crime, Spivey King and Spivey LLP is here to help you today. Go see them in person at 142 Cherokee Street, Kingsport, Tennessee. Pick up the phone and call this number for a free consultation. That is 423-245-4185 or visit them online at SpiveyKingandSpiveyLLP.com. Spivey King and Spivey LLP, you got a problem? Let them find a solution for you, TN Trial Lawyers. We got Luke Lipsius coming up next right here on The Porch. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, Luke, opening week is in the books. Tennessee went to the uh, children, the Shriners Children's College Showdown in Arlington, Texas at Globe Life Field. What a beautiful ballpark. Uh, left tournament champions by run differential. Two wins, one loss, one extra inning loss to Oklahoma. Came back a pair of midweek wins uh, against UNC Asheville where the team understandably was kind of sleepwalking after a travel day and then just put it to ETSU. Um, overall thoughts, five games in overall thoughts. What do you like? What do you dislike after watching Tennessee for the, for the opening week? Yeah, I thought it was a lot of positives. I think the first thing that you can notice is how the guys play. They go out there, they play with a confidence, but it's not so much of a, an ego. We feel as we saw at the beginning of last year, they're down, they're grinding, um, which is, which is really telling of a good team. So I, I liked seeing that out of the guys. You know, coming out on Friday night at the Shriners Classic, that is a tough way to start your season. You have literally no warm-ups um, facing other competition, that is. And you go out and you play Texas Tech, who is a really good squad. They brought out their 
Um, their big gun, that Friday night starter, he's a Friday night starter for a reason. And you could see they weren't phased, especially the new guys, younger guys. They seemed calm and collected. Now, there was a few guys that might have been iffy still settling in. But, you know, overall, that Friday night game, I thought it went really well. And then you get to Saturday and, you know, it on the scoreboard, it was a five to one game. Of course, those four runs for, uh, for um, Oklahoma came in the 10th. Um, so overall, I thought it was a, a good, hard-fought game. Our pitching staff did what they needed to do. It's just you could see with the offense, you know, we were barreling balls all right, but it was it came down to not um, driving in runs, you know, where there was a couple of times it seemed like with bases loaded and we left them in, in less than two outs, we left them on. Um, a lot of people left on base. I mean, we had seven hits and one run. Most good offenses will cash in on those hits when they need to. So I thought that was just a um, – just not cashing in when they needed to. I thought it was a good game. Then you go to Sunday, a uh, little bullpen day for us. You know, we're still working around, seeing who we're going to pitch there. And I, th- I thought it was a good win. The bats came alive a little bit. You could see people flexing their muscle a little bit. So it was it was more telling of of what we could be. Um, first first midweek back home, you know, it was, it was slow. Like you said, they might have been sleepwalking just a little bit. That's a, that's a tough turnaround coming from a – Monday flight, I would assume, yeah. playing the next day. I mean, it is a home opener, which is almost like a, a reset first game of the season. Um, but, you know, they, they took care of business. Um, and then I'll, I'll kind of combine these two. And then ETSU, we absolutely, absolutely gave it to them, especially in that one inning. But what I liked about those two midweeks is the young guns. You know, we I, I don't think we threw someone um, that was more than a, a sophomore, except for um, Marcus Russell or what, whatever his name is, the big big dog from a Juco, yeah. righty. Um, Phillips, yeah. Mark Phillips, that's what it is, um, except for him. And it was all young guys, and they they were composed. They did a great job, um, especially Hunley, you know, <laughs> living up to the the other Hunley's name, you know, coming <laughs> in, um, three innings, uh, no walks. That's the biggest thing from a freshman. If you got a guy that doesn't walk people, you know he's confident in his stuff, and he's going to leave it in there. But I thought it was great. And then uh, those those ETSU games could go either way, so I'm glad we, we really gave it to them. Yeah, that ETSU uh, win, it was an 11-run third inning where you scored like four runs, and then you had a three-run home run from Dean Curley. You had a two-run home mm-hmm. run from uh, from Christian Moore, and then I think Billy Amick also had a two-run home run in that inning. So anyway, it was it was a, an 11-run third inning that really put the game away. So far through the opening, we've been really impressed with Christian Moore at the plate, which is no surprise. He's a stud. Uh, Billy Amick at the plate. The average is only at 263 through five games, but he's been robbed of like four or five hits. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. He has been Billy Barrels is what Simo calls him. He's been barreling the ball like crazy. Kavar's tears. I thought he had a rough opening night on Friday. Um, still found a way to get on base twice. Still scored two runs. Had a good Sunday. Um, had a home run on on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I think Kavar's tears where he got the start in right field. And then Reese Chapman got the start in right field in game two, but it's been tears the rest of the way. I think he's taking advantage of uh, trying to be that guy in right field. And um, again, it's been a kind of a different order of a lineup as, t- as TV's just trying to trying to find some things, trying to experiment a little bit here in the early season. But I've liked Dylan Drawling as well. I mean, he's got a home run. He's He's got uh, six hits over 19 ABs so far. And I like him in the two hole, but... There's something to be said for having him and Hunter Ensley towards the bottom of the order as well. 
Yeah, you know, it's uh, I'll, I'll speak to, to KT first. He's always had that raw talent, that ability to just play. And you can see this year he's starting to really hone it in. And you can see that the success that's coming with it. Um, and you can tell a guy's going good when you check swing and, and get a freaking hit. Like it, there must have been something um, going on with him. But he's it's great to see him doing well. Like you said, Billy, he's going to just barrel the ball. And, yeah, he should probably have four or five more hits, not just hits, doubles. Um, you know, to pad that slugging percentage too. Um, but then, yeah, you got a guy like Dryling who, you know, last or last year, yeah, he came in as a freshman and it seemed like every time he came to the play, it was, you know, a double, a hit, whatever. Um, now we see him in the starting role and you got to deal with um, maybe a less focus on that singular AB because you know you're going to get more. Um, no one can say what's going through his head. I still like the swing. I think it plays. Um, especially at the next level. And um, I think we're going to see consent, continued success from him when he starts to settle in. You know, of course, you see him start or yeah, hitting second on Tuesday. He goes, what was it, one for four, three punchies, and then drops down to seven. That's he's probably a, a little Tony Vitello message like, hey, it's a midweek, but we still need good ABs out of you. Um, I, I know that that Tony likes to do things like that. Uh, but then he comes back. He has a pretty good game on on Wednesday, so he's going to be just fine. the The one talking point is is Blake Burke, and so I was about he, to ask you about him. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, I that whole weekend, except for a Sunday, maybe a little bit Sunday, he just looked lost, and so it it looked like he wasn't comfortable up there. Um, he's he's thinking too much. You could tell something's off um, with him right now at the plate. Now games like uh, yesterday. Uh, and I think even Tuesday he had an all right game are going to start building his confidence back up. So, you know, as the, as the season progresses, I think he will settle in. He'll see some success um, and he'll be just fine. But that was, if we can get him going, that offense is going to be lethal because then you can put him at the six hole, at the two hole, at the seven hole, you can mix him and dryling up and, and it just, it, it kind of makes a more complete offense. So you're not relying on, on Amic or dryling or, or Simo solely. And then another guy to talk about is Peebles who still hasn't really hit the way we expected him to hit this year. But again, his swing plays, I think it's one of those, you know, new place. Um, just have to settle in. Speaking of people's, I've heard he's a combination. I mean, I've been around him a little bit, but of course he's still new. I and mean, talking with some people, I've heard he's a combination of Connor Pavoloni's work ethic and just Drew Gilbert's competitiveness. Just, um, well, that's that's a pretty lethal combination. I, I we yeah, used call, we used to call Pav a robot just because like it was day in and day out he was working, and then of course Drew Gilbert is Drew Gilbert. So yeah, yeah, no, no, uh, no, no nothing else necessary there for Drew Gilbert. But um, <laughs> back to Blake Burke. Let me ask you this: I want to ask about his defense here in a moment. Um, but you know, I mean, I I think I know baseball. I watch baseball, cover baseball, played it way back when. But what what's appealing about Blake Burke in the two hole? Um. I, I I don't like that, and, and I know he's struggling right now. But like, even if he was hitting three fifty, I'm not huge on Blake Burke in the three hole. What's appealing about that? And I know Tony is obsessed with left, right, left, right, left, right. I get that. So it's a main thing for putting someone in the two hole is, especially if he's slumping a little bit. Like that was that was where I hit for most of that 2022 season, and it helps you out because you have coverage. And that's the main thing. You're going to see pitches to hit. It's going to get in the pitcher's head that you got a big bat like Simo or Billy behind you. So they're like, hey, I got to get this guy out. I don't want to deal with who's next. 
Um, so that's one train of thought that you're just going to get more pitches to hit and hopefully hit you out of that slump. Um, now I agree. I don't think he belongs there in the, in the long run, you know, and unlike, unlike, uh, Unlike him, I could steal some bases, so you know I, they, they didn't have to worry about that. Wheels, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think he'll. You'll see him move down in the lineup, still in one of those power spots, maybe a five or a six. But I think right now it's really just to get him um, to see more good pitches, quality pitches, and not really have to worry about um, them dotting. Because if if you know that Simo or Billy's coming up, you're going to have to throw to him. That's that's the reason that I could see him being in the two hole. All right, so defensively you know i made the comment going into you know i guess it was wednesday's midweek game i'm like man i mean his defense has been incredible you can tell he's putting in the work he made some plays and all that's true and then the leadoff batter of wednesday's midweek game he has an error and allows him to reach base but still i mean that's going to happen that's baseball um i've been really impressed with his defense so far to begin this year he he made two plays at the plate you know throwing in there to cal stark mm -hmm. one play uh to, to chuck taylor the other play he's uh his range has looked like it's expanded a little bit. What have you seen from him defensively over at first base? Because as he was getting into being an everyday player last year, that was something that he really struggled with. Yeah, well, I, I think uh, his ability to throw the ball has always been there. Um, he's, he's always had an accurate throw, which is fine. It's, it's the feeling that you saw him struggle with last year. And coming in first game on dirt um, after practicing on turf all the time, I thought he did a phenomenal job. Everything looked smooth. It didn't look like he was trying too hard. Um, it looked like he was really paying attention to the balls that he was getting. It almost seemed like last year he was like pulling up or something weird as the ball got to him. But, but this year we see a new and improved Blake Burke and it sucks that on Wednesday, it, it was a hard hit ball. Um, it looked like it jumped up on him a little bit. Um, again, that's one of those things. If you're playing first base, you can basically be a catcher. You know, you can get down there and block it. That's why I would have liked to see that ball drop in front of him as opposed to go to the side. Um, but he's you can see he's, he's much improved. His glove looks better. His footwork looks better. So I think we're going to see a, a lot different Blake Burke in on the defensive side this year than we did last year. All right, man, let's talk. Let's talk a little pitching. Uh, let's, let's first go Friday night. The AJ show, man, um, it it's not going to go scripted like that every single week. I mean, that's just not how baseball works. But my goodness, AJ Russell in four innings and a third, he had 10 strikeouts. Mm -hmm. The run on the fastball sitting at uh, topping at 97, I believe, was just phenomenal. Um, and you go from that look, and I've written about it. I've talked to AJ Causey and, you know, everybody in the media has talked about it. But you go from that look, then you go to Causey, who's 91-92 from the side. Mm -hmm. um, as a hitter, I know you're hitting from the left side, but from the right side, that's got to be so incredibly difficult. And it worked to perfection last Friday, and we'll see what happens on this Friday. AJ show, Causey taking in, or coming in behind uh, Russell. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. I was watching that game, and, you know, the first inning, I think he had three punches. There was someone got on or whatever. And it's one of those things where, like, okay, it's the first inning. Let's see what he can do. And then it just kept happening. They yeah. could not touch him. And you're like, oh, my God, this guy is is legit. And it's even against, you know, a good lineup who's got, I think, two Golden Spikes Award watch list people mm -hmm. um, in Basil and Cash. And, you know, he just he made him look silly. And for a, a younger guy with not a lot of innings to go out and do what he did on Friday night in front of the crowd that there was, absolutely amazing. Really, really good, good telling um, story for the rest of the season. Now, Causey comes in and he's slinging that thing sideways. Now, if you're a hitter, especially a righty, 
going from four innings of, you know, spin rate fastball, you have to think about getting on top of it and then adjusting to literally the opposite where it's coming in on you. You got to get under it, whatever. Um, that's just tough to do as a hitter. So we'll see if that duo stays throughout the rest of the season. Um, honestly, the way that Causey pitched with the the length he pitched, I could see him moving into a Sunday role. Um, great given the fact that if we have closers behind him, I think they might ride with them too for now um, and kind of piece together Sunday. But I wouldn't mind a, an AJ and then mixing, I don't know, maybe like a, a, a mid-inning guy, you know, a lefty. We used to always do that with Chad. You know, we went righty, lefty, and then back to a righty. Um, so the thing is we got options. And so seeing them too was just phenomenal, especially Causey coming in and, and slinging it, you know, from down low. It's It was just fun to watch. Yeah, it was a whole lot of fun to watch. And I'll talk about the Sunday starter here in a moment because, like you, he he might be the best option available. But mm -hmm. for Tennessee to reach its apex, for Tennessee to reach its ceiling, in my opinion, man, you, you got to have that look coming out of the pen. Um, but, again, mm -hmm. we'll talk about that here in a moment. Uh, let's go to Saturday. Beam. Beam was Beam. Um, I, I don't think that he pitched nearly as, as good as he could the other night. At times, it looked like it was a struggle. But then... At the end of his outing, you look down at the box score, he goes five and two-thirds, mm -hmm. seven hits, one extra base hit, two strikeouts, one walk, 50-some-odd or 70-some-odd pitches. I mean, it was it was typical. He gave up one run. Um, now, he had some really good defense behind him the other night. Uh, but Drew Beam, I don't even want to spend much time on him because we know who Drew Beam is and we know kind of what he's about. You get Aaron Combs to come in behind him. And though he left... A I don't think he was directly behind him, but though he left uh, the game kind of out of gas there in the 10th inning, you know, walking, getting the, got some guys on, I thought Aaron Combs looked pretty good. He just might be limited to a 3-5, to 3-7 to seven out type of guy um, because it looked like he was kind of emptying the tank there towards the end. Yeah, I agree. You know, those uh, those long games, especially when it's when it's back and forth, they're not only physically draining, but they're, they're mentally draining. And you've got a guy, I don't think Combs pitched – more than two last year, maybe three. Um, I'm, I don't know what they did with him in the offseason and the spring training, um, but I assume that they weren't running him up for, you know, three, two, three-plus innings. And like you said, I think that he comes in, he's a good, you know, six-out tops because um, it, it is a funky delivery. It's one of those that looks like it's coming sideways and then it, it spins on you. Um, so I, I think that he'll be a, a lot better and, and maybe – a a late relief, you know, maybe not so much of a closer role. Um, but even so, with that being said, from what I saw last year, a little bit what I saw this year, he's got the mentality to be able to close the door. We'll just see how they want to use him um, in the future. And then again, uh, on, with Beam, you know, he's when a guy doesn't look his best and gives up one run and only yeah. – I think I think it's really good that he only give, gave up one extra base hit. Mm -hmm. That means that they're not, you know, powering the ball around. That's, that's so – crazy because that means that he's got so much more room to grow and get better um, which is just scary so it's it's really good for him like you said we don't have to go into it much but yeah I, I do like Combs still at the pen I thought he was a little bit shaky maybe it was uh coming off I think he was he was hurt a little bit towards the end of the spring too so mm -hmm. there's there's a couple of things that could have contributed to it but overall I thought that game was pitched well you get to Sunday and Xander goes out there and Xander struggles a little bit and um Gosh, I think just he's such an easy guy to root for and such a good teammate, such a good guy. And I don't know, um, as you know, at the time of this recording, I'm still trying to figure out what the plan is for Sunday. I don't know if he's going to get another start at this time. I would imagine probably not. Um, I could see Nate Sneed getting a start. And he, of course, came in and pitched five innings and in relief behind him. And 
and looked as good as he has in a Tennessee uniform. I know that was his debut for the team, but over the fall, over the spring and all that, um, he looked really good against Baylor. So I could see Snead getting that start. And then potentially down the line, this is where it's headed. Um, whether it's Xander on Sunday, whether it's Snead on Sunday. Snead could be a long-term option. Causey could be an option. But down the line, it's headed to Matthew Dallas, in my opinion. And Schaefer got the start on Tuesday, and he's an option. But, man, I thought Matthew Dallas, he had an appearance in Saturday's game. The true freshman started and retired seven in a row at one point in time in Wednesday's midweek. Only pitched 47 innings or 47 pitches. Hmm. So I think he would be available on Sunday. And I would even say that he might be an option to start Sunday as well. But eventually, I do think it's going to be one of those freshmen. Um, so who knows at this point at the time of this recording, but Tennessee has options. What'd you like about those freshmen? And then Nate Sneed, um, man, he hit triple digits a couple of times and he's a hard throwing righty. He pitched really well on Sunday against Baylor. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things you hate to see Xander go out there and not do as well as you would have hoped, but we it, it was his first start on a weekend as of all. So, you know, it's it's a lot of emotions he has to deal with. It's it's thrust into a position that he's not used to being in. Um, now, with that being said, Nate Sneed comes in, and I will say at first he looked a little bit shaky. I think he had a couple walks, but then he oh, yeah. got it together, and he did really well. You, you want a pitcher that can take a, a couple of punches and still give it right back to you and keep going, and that's what I saw from Sneed. Um, he's that power righty that we need. You know, it, he can go long to it's it's crazy how many options we do have. And then with the freshman talent we have, um, I mentioned it earlier, you know, they're not walking people. They look composed. It's going to come down to who does the coaching staff? Who does Tony Vitello trust? A lot of what Tony does is based on your attitude, as in how competitive you are when you go out there and who he's trusting right then and there. So um, this this Sunday, we'll see what he, what he wants to do. I'd imagine if we don't see Snead, you know, Friday or Saturday, we'll probably see him starting Sunday. Um, but then I also think that we will see those freshmen that through the midweeks this week get a lot more innings over the weekends just to kind of fill in that role and, and see what they're made of. Yeah, only one midweek game coming up. You got two the following week, and then it's just one the rest of the way. So only one midweek game you got to worry about um, on Tuesday next week. And um, – you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's a good point on um, on Snead as well. Came in, and I guess the third inning or whatever, he had three walks in that inning, mm -hmm. Had gave up a hit or two. I can't remember. It was an atrocious inning, and I was sitting there like, God, is he even going to make it out of the third? He does, and then one, two, three inning in the fourth and goes mm -hmm. all the way to, the, to, to five innings. And in the seventh inning, he strands runners at the corners to get out of the jam, and that was, that was it. So he got out of a disastrous third inning and then worked himself out of an, uh, uh, a tough seventh inning unscathed. Again, I thought that was big kind of for Nate Snead as well. I'm um, going to let you go, but a um, lot, of, lot of great things. We could sit here and talk about Tennessee baseball for the next hour or so. Um, what are you maybe looking forward to this weekend? I know you're going to be in-house for at least one of those games this weekend. I've, I've heard – that uh, this series could be, uh, you know, reminiscent of the Iona series a couple years ago. I oh, hope not. God. Speaking well, of that, what, what what can you even get out of a series like that if it's completely one-sided? I mean, that's it feels like it's just not even worth it. So, yeah, I'll, I'll just start with the, the series coming up. You got Albany who's coming in. They're a New York team. They're a smaller school. I think last year they had a 250 average, you know, an 18 ERA, something like that. They haven't played a game yet. We've got five under our belt. So that's the first thing, you know. Um, second thing is, is 
I'm excited because uh, you know it's I've been there I had been there for so long and we started those stadium renovations and it was like Tony when's this getting done when's this getting done and now that stadium down the left field line I know it's like only halfway done which is just yeah. crazy but it is looking pristine I know we already broke an attendance record um, but I I am excited to for them to play in front of a weekend crowd and them to get the feel of what it could be like because I know Tennessee's going to come out strong um, the fans that is especially on Friday night. Um, Saturday, we'll see how the, how the weather plays. Usually, we have we'll have a strong crowd. But then, to your point about facing a team like Iona, when we played them, I got I think it was like three abs per game, and I was out by the fourth. And yeah. so, when you got a team like that, um, the the good thing you can get out of it is you get a, a lot of inexperienced people experience on the weekends. Because a lot of times um, they don't the the younger guys or even you know a person like Payne who hasn't played much yet will get experience, but it's more of a, a midweek blowout, you know. And and the weekend is just different, so they'll get that weekend experience, um, just get get more comfortable. You know, it's it's one of those things. Now, I, is the run rule effect in effect for non conference or is it just conference? Uh, non conference that the coaches agree on it, so I would assume that there's going to be a run rule in place. Didn't you yeah. guys? Not have a run rule Friday and Saturday, but the coaches came together and said, "All right, we got to have a run rule for Sunday." Correct. And so there's there's been a couple of games where we've had to deal with that. Where there the worst one was Longwood uh, back in 21, I think it was. It was 40 and sleeting, and we were beating them 27 to one. It's like guys, let's just go home. Like, uh, but you know, it you got to tell yourself you're thinking about it. Okay, what if we just like run it up, run it up, run it up? You got to make sure you're still staying focused. And I think that's all there's also value in that is staying locked in when you don't necessarily need to, if that makes sense. So I, I think there are some positives out of the weekend, especially if there's a run rule. Um, well, they'll be able to run out whoever they want and, and it'll be good. But, you know, you take it with a grain of salt. Fans who are in attendance uh, for, I guess, that Saturday or Friday game, whichever one you're going to be at, uh, can we find you in your 40 jersey? Are you going to be donning <laughs> the jersey again? You know, I've, I'm thinking about it. I'd, uh, I might just come in a regular Tennessee polo or something. I'd, I think I'd, I wore out that jersey last It's time. a baller move for you to walk into the stadium that you you hit tons of home runs in with your own jersey. I just I, I saw you do that last year. I'm like, all right, that that's a baller move. <laughs> you know what? I'll, uh, I'll pack it and I'll make a game time decision. There you go. Luke, man, as always, I appreciate it. We'll see how Tennessee does this weekend, and uh, we'll talk again on the porch next week and, and see where we're at. That sounds great. Can't wait for it. Awesome, awesome stuff there by Luke Lipsius, former Tennessee first baseman, and uh, really, really enjoy my time catching up with Luke every single week. All right, so we got you set. Tennessee getting ready for Albany this weekend. The first series at Lindsey Nelson Stadium, the first weekend series at Lindsey Nelson Stadium, the about halfway done. I don't want to call it halfway done. There's so many more. Um, so much more construction to happen uh, over the over the next off season. But Lindsey Nelson Stadium, if you haven't been there yet, it looks different. It looks clean. Looks good. More seating. Left field line looks awesome. Um, you know, two two premium seating rows down the right field line. So um, if you're coming for the first time this weekend and you know first time this season, then um, you're gonna really really enjoy it. I feel like. And so we'll see what Tennessee does against Albany. Big thanks to Luke Lipsius as always. Big thank you to uh, watching for watching and listening to the show. As always, we'll be at VolQuest.com. We'll have the game thread throughout the game. We'll have the how it happened, four quick takes. We'll have videos of players and Tony Vitello, transcript of Tony Vitello, all that and more post-game for Tennessee and Albany this weekend. Appreciate you guys as always. Big thanks to Spivey, King and Spivey, LLP, for making this happen. We'll see you at Lindsey Nelson Stadium or on the porch this weekend for Tennessee.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.